I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Maybe I'm crazy, but I need to try me some $150,000 lemon pepper wings. Welcome to Maybe I'm Crazy Podcast. I'm Joy Taylor. Thanks for checking us out this week. Hope you are healthy and doing well. Thanks for joining us. We talked to Jason McIntyre, a Fox Sports radio host and FS1 contributor and FoxSports.com, Fox Sports digital contributor as well. He's a Jets fan, so we'll talk about the Jamal Adams trade, talk about MLB, a little college football, a little NFL, a little Cam Newton, a little NBA restart. Um, so good to catch up with him. And of course, the whole gang is here, crazy gang, Heller, Donnie, and Shantiera T with the Culture Report. So let's get started with Jason McIntyre. All right, very excited to have my friend Jason McIntyre, FS1 family and host of Fox Sports Radio, 10 to 1 Eastern on the weekends. Thanks for jumping on, J-Mac. Hey, it's a lot of fun to be finally on the show. <laughs> I've seen it so many times. Uh, you're pretty dominant on Instagram, Joyce, so I definitely catch up with everything on there. You know, I try to get the content out there. That's what we're doing these days, content. Yeah. Um, so I spent one year as a Jets fan. In my life. <laughs> uh, when my brother was with them, it was 2010, uh, which was a great year. It's my, it's one, I think it's my favorite year of his career, which people get really, Dolphins fans get really upset about. But like, honestly, other than the 2007 when he won like Defensive Player of the Year and Walter Payton Man of the Year and all that, I mean, they went to the AFC Championship game. So it was, it was wonderful. So those happen often with the Jets. Right. So. All right. So um, pretty memorable. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> right. So I had a good experience as a Jets fan. You're a Jets fan, suffering Jets fan. Although yes. you're a very optimistic Jets fan. Listen, Joy, you have to be. Come on. I know I'm a New Yorker, born in New York, so I'm pessimistic about the Knicks, but I'm optimistic weirdly about the Jets. Uh, and you know, you and I have never gone over this, but as a Dolphins fan. We are supposed to not like each other at all. Uh, you know, there's a couple teams I dislike greatly. I don't use the word hate. I have the little kids uh, in the next room. Uh, Miami Dolphins, New York Giants, New England Patriots. Uh, and I will never forget the Dan Marino fake spike. I think it was in the mid early 90s. I was all geeked as a Jets fan. And I was like, whoa, like Dan Marino just totally shook me. I was like in a state of awe over Marino's greatness on that play. And Aaron Glenn was the cornerback who was beaten. It was devastating joy. Uh, but listen, long-suffering Jets fan. We had a good run with Sanchez, your guy, Mark Sanchez, obviously. Uh, and since then, it's been nothing. Right. And like, as a Dolphins fan, I understand the suffering of Jets fans. Although, you know, after Jason, I didn't hate Jets fans as much. Because I just, like, I enjoyed my experience as a Jets fan. I still have Jason's uh, jersey, his, yeah. his 99 jersey uh, from the Jets. So I don't hate them as much. I used to really hate the Jets. But I will say, I, as a Dolphins fan, am, am generally never optimistic. And every time I am optimistic, yeah. I get disappointed. So I like to stay in my little box. You are, like, overly optimistic. And we had big Jets news this week. Yes. Jamal Adams. I am a big Jamal Adams fan. I think he's great. I would have paid Jamal Adams. Were you shocked? Because it kind of felt like it was inevitable. Yeah, I was. Yes, 
he's gone finally. Joy, yeah, listen, um, you can't be part of a team for three years and then out of the blue say, you know, I want to be traded or give me a massive contract. Like, dude, you're on your rookie deal. Like, Joy, we, we came to FS1 at about the same time, I think, right, 2016. Yep. And, like, it would have been, like, after a year, hey, I need a new contract. Like, come on, show up, show me the money, or get, get me out of here. Like, you can't do that in work, in sports media, anywhere. And he tried to pull this garbage. Now, people will say, well, Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald did the same thing. Time out. Those guys were defensive player of the year. Jamal Adams was not. Uh, and he's a safety. Like, safety's not even, what is it, maybe the third or fourth best, most important position on defense. There's cornerback and there's, you know, edge rusher. Um, and then maybe safety's third or middle linebacker, defensive tackle. Like, I just thought it was really annoying that he did that. And listen, not to take anything away from him, immensely talented player. Uh, obviously, you know, he was second on the Jets in sacks. Like, that as a safety just shows his value. So I'm with you, talented guy, but I'm like, get out of town. I, I'm over that. You don't want to be here. You know, you're with us or you're against us. That's kind of the deal in sports. No, that I could, that part I can understand. Like I, I, that's why I felt like it was inevitable that he was going to be moved. But I like the deal for Seattle because I think Seattle is a team that is, uh, you know, in that contender conversation. Are they are they a hundred percent there? Who knows? But like, yeah. you know, a lot of things can break either way. Somebody can get injured, and you can be, you know, in in contention spot, and that's where they are. They have Russell Wilson, so I don't mind the move for Seattle. Do you feel like you? I mean, you got a haul for Jamal Adams, so you got to be yeah, happy. Yeah, I that. mean, now Joel, you just said it perfectly. Somebody gets hurt, maybe things improve. Aaron Rodgers goes down or whatever. Well, what if Russell Wilson gets hurt? He, he has two new starting offensive linemen on the right side, right guard and right tackle. And I'm looking at this team like, I mean, yeah, they were pretty good last year, nearly made the uh, NFC Championship game. But Russ goes down, Joy, and they are an abomination. They're like a three or four win team. So then the Jets pick next year is looking amazing. And I don't want to wish ill on Russell Wilson. I know you and Colin are very friendly with Russ. And I'm sure I gave him a shout out for the newborn baby. Uh, I'm a fan of Russ Wilson, but for the Jets, I think you've got to do that trade every day of the week. What did you make of Le'Veon Bell? Now, I, I am a Le'Veon fan. I wish you to stay yeah. with the Steelers. I feel like that was a better spot for him. But, you know, he, he feels a little... It's a, it was a weird interaction, actually, because he, he yeah. it seemed like he was angry at him, but then he was like, we talked on the phone. So it was like, yeah. if you talk on the phone, I personally, like, if I have a phone conversation with someone to settle something, I don't need to go to Twitter. So I thought it, the whole interaction was weird. That, that's, that's it right there. We've seen a lot of this the last, like, four or five months, like, people taking their beefs to social media. It doesn't make sense, especially if you're a pro athlete. We saw it with Drew Brees, right? So a couple players, after Drew Brees made a statement about uh, the, national, the national anthem, couple of players went after him and other ones who were smart, like called him up and were like, dude, what, what are you doing? Right. Like be smart. You're not seeing it the right way. And I kind of wish Le'Veon and him had ironed it out off social media. Uh, as we both, I think we both agreed, like Twitter kind of sucks. It's, I, I would say a lot stronger stuff about it. It serves a purpose, uh, but yeah, in general, it's not a very positive place. Yeah, it's very negative, and I think Le'Veon probably felt like an idiot because he caped up for Jamal Adams. Right. Oh, yeah, we got him. He wants to stay in town, and then next thing you know, Jamal Adams shreds the organization and gets traded, and then Le'Veon kind of looks like an idiot. But uh, listen, I, I do agree with you. I'm a Le'Veon Bell fan. This is one of the best backs in the league. He should be fresh because we know he didn't do anything last year, and then he took the year off prior with the contract negotiations. He should be in line for a big year. It really comes down to your guy, former Dolphins coach Adam Gaze, who 
I, I don't know, Joy. You, you spent more time with him in Miami uh, dealing with him. I know one of your a uh, couple of your buddies, uh, Sedano specifically. We talk about gays a lot, and um, let's just say I'm I'm not a huge fan right now, but I was once optimistic. Well, so that was gonna be my next question because I am not a big gays fan. Uh, I mean, he did you know, get the Dolphins to the playoffs. So I got to give him credit for that. Ryan Tannehill, which I did not believe was going to happen. But like, you know, I, I come from Pittsburgh, right? So I'm also a Steelers fan. You know, I have some Steelers loyalty. So even though I don't have these expectations of the Dolphins, I don't like the idea of like making the playoffs as a successful season. Like you're trying right. to win a championship. Like, yes, you can grow if you have a young team, you know, and you're trying to build, like making the playoffs, okay. And then like you get a playoff win, like building something. But like... So that to be the measure of success to me and then like losing your first wildcard game is, is not a really like an accomplishment. Like you had a nice season. Okay, great. So when he went to the Jets, I was like, like, enjoy. I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know yours. Yeah, like good luck, I guess. I, I just, to me, I feel like the sign of a good coach, aside obviously from the winning, which I didn't hold last year against him. Sam Darnold's got the kissing disease and like whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> So I, I didn't, as soon as that happened, it was like, all right, Jet season's done for, but I'm not going to count this against him, right? Right. But this Jamal Adams thing to me is kind of like a sign of dysfunction. Like you, you got to be on the same page with your players. And, and, and even if he does want to leave, and if he's not happy or he wants his contract or whatever, like I feel like communication solves these situations. And if you're not a good communicator, it's hard to establish a good culture. And I, I don't think that that translates to winning. I think culture is the perfect word, Joy. I mean, he had issues with players in Miami. You remember, it ended pretty ugly there. Uh, and then you go to the Jets, and it's kind of the same thing. And again, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. Joy, this is one of the craziest stats you'll hear uh, come out of my mouth. Adam Gaze, last three years, right, 48 NFL games. He's had a backup start 24 of those. He's had a backup quarterback for half of his game. So is it fair to judge the results? I don't know. But listen, there is, you know, when you – when I made the decision, you know, to move west with the family, we did like a pros and cons. I'm sure you did the same thing, yeah. right? And pros were like, oh my gosh, Los Angeles, the weather's amazing. No more shoveling snow and blah, blah, blah. When you weigh the pros and cons of Adam Gaze right now, like the cons are really outweighing the pros. And it's like, dude, if he doesn't win this year, I think you got to look at like, if he doesn't win nine or 10 games, Brady's gone. Brady's gone. Like you got to have a shot. I don't believe in the Bills. Your Dolphins, I think, still rebuilding. Uh, you know, we could talk to or Fitz. But I, I just, my sense is that if Gaze doesn't win like nine or ten games and they come close to the playoffs, he's toast. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Staying in the AFC East, I think it's up to six players now have opted out yeah. for the Patriots. Which, like, for whatever reason anyone wants to opt out of this season in any league, I'm I'm not judging anybody. Like, yeah. we don't know what people's home situations are like or if they're just stressed out themselves. And we're all dealing with unprecedented times. So whatever your reason is, I'm cool with it no matter what. But it is kind of interesting that there's that many and high-profile Patriots players sitting out. What do yeah, you think? Hightower is one of their best defenders. Yeah. Um, but what was interesting, Joy, is, like, if you look at the players that are out, I think they had – two or three in the trenches. And, you know, I've been talking about this on, on social a little bit, but when you look at COVID, one of the pre-existing symptoms is obesity. And I'm not calling offensive linemen and defensive linemen obese, sure. but by the definition of obesity, you know, if you're over 300 pounds, it's, you're almost automatically obese, even if you're a fit football player running around. 
And I wonder, we saw the Chiefs offensive lineman back out. He's got like a doctorate degree. I wonder if doctors are starting to talk to these players and say, yo, like this is a high risk. Um, now, I did see some comical stuff, not that COVID's funny at all, that these Patriots players backing out, if you save their salary, all of a sudden Jadavian Clowney becomes an option for Bill Belichick on defense. Uh, I don't know if that comes to fruition. Uh, they did get Cam Newton. I think that was a good value pick for uh, Bill Belichick. And now if he goes after Clowney, that's another guy uh, that could get interesting. So I'm still wait and see on the Patriots, but as of now, I don't think they're a playoff team, Joey. Oh, no, no, I don't think they're a playoff team either. Even with Cam, like, I think they're going to win more games than they would with Jarrett Stidham, and I'm certainly more interested in them now with Cam Newton right. than I was with Jarrett Stidham. But I, I felt like this was not the year for the Patriots. I just want Cam to do well. Um, and even now with these players sitting out, if they do end up sitting out, you know, yeah. that's that's not going to be on Cam, you know, if he's in shootouts right. now because, you know, a third of their defense is out. Um, so I, I really just want to see Cam do well and see what he can do in general. Yeah. I'm just I'm curious. I was just thinking about it out loud, like in my head. So the Patriots have been pretty dominant under Belichick, obviously, for two decades. They're great at covering the spread. Um, I'm just curious, like, is he going to not release who's playing every week? You know, he likes to hide that stuff. Remember, he'd have a running back. He had a running back who like had like 200 yards against the Colts. Then he overslept the alarm clock, you know, missed practice. And then Belichick didn't tell anybody until like the day of, oh, he's not even playing. Like, I just wonder if Belichick is going to have, like, a, a real deep squad and not unveil until the last moment who's playing and who's not. He's going to try to keep it a mystery. He's always up to those tricks. He's got some shenanigans. That hoodie. Yeah. So sticking with COVID, um, Marlins are – there's, Ugh. like, I don't even know how many positive tests now. The good thing is that the Phillies have not tested positive. Right. But there's, you know – this is what this is what was expected. Now people are kind of overreacting to it. To me, like obviously this is not. I feel like they are. So I'm going to ask you if, if you think they are because okay. I feel like there were going to be positive tests. If it was in the bubble, I would be more concerned, right? right? Because like this is a very controlled situation. Everyone's being tested. There's tons of rules, tons of regulations. Uh, very serious social distancing. Everyone has to wear masks. So if that's a problem, then like that's a real problem. But if yeah. you're not in the bubble. Uh, of the, the, what do we have? Four million cases in the country. Like, of course, there's going to be positive tests. So there, there were contingency plans for this. So I don't. I'm like, obviously, it's not good, but I'm not panicking about it. What, are, do you think that I'm like, I'm not looking at it the right way? I, I guess I would get. Uh, I would ask you to define panicking. Like, uh, is panic stop the season, or is it just like something a little below that? Well. I think that the reaction from the media is like, this is not going to work. And like now, it didn't look like the Marlins weren't in it, weren't in it to begin with, right? Like <laughs> we knew that. Uh, they never yeah. are. But like that, that really shouldn't matter because this could happen to any team, right? Right. So to me, I'm like, I'm not panicking because I expect this to happen. So if I expect it to happen and I'm not Rob Manfred, I'm sure Rob Manfred assumed that there, at one point or another, a team was going to have um, a spread of tests that were positive. Yeah, I guess, yeah, I would agree with you. No need to panic. I just think, Joy, this is kind of a leadership issue. Like, uh, you know, I don't want to go off on a political tangent, but, you know, in our country, we're not handling COVID well at all. No, that's NBA not NBA in the yeah. bubble, great job. MLS in the bubble, Premier League over, over in Europe. Like, a lot of leagues are doing well in a bubble. 
America as a whole, pretty friggin' terrible. Yes. Disappointing. And I think Major League Baseball, Joy's going through the same thing. Like, they had, what, a 100-page manual for how to handle this. And the first big blow-up, they screw it up. Like, this is really pathetic. Now, a lot of people are saying, well, this could extrapolate to the NFL. But there's not the same travel for NFL and Major League Baseball. I've seen reports that NFL teams are thinking of flying in the day of the game, so there's not even an overnight stay. You just go right to the stadium, back on the plane, and out. Um, but Major League Baseball, like, Joy, this is like the first round, okay? This is like the first round of a 12-round boxing fight, and Major League Baseball's already been, like, knocked down and is, like, kind of on the ropes early. And I hope we finish the season, you and I, working for Fox. I'm, I'm definitely rooting uh, for baseball to happen. But at the moment, I, it's a little disappointment for Rob Manfred. I think, uh, yeah, I would say, like, the bubbles working to me makes sense, right? Like, yeah. they should work. That was the whole point of us, like, stay at home and social distance and wear the mask and, like, not go out. So the bubble makes sense to me. Like, you're in a bubble. It's, if there's no COVID in the bubble, similar to countries that don't have it, then you yeah. can't spread it because it's not there. <laughs> so, like, so I know... I know you're like obviously smart about this. I, I just need to ask: Do you have any friends personally who have gotten COVID? Because oh yeah, I know lots of people I know, have it. You know, have lots it. of people like you text with who have gotten it. Yeah, I mean oh, like wow. not lots, like not hundreds, obviously, but like okay. I would say probably a dozen people. Oh geez, okay. See, I guess you're a little younger. You know, you know, you're hanging out with a crowd that goes out. Not like little... not people that are around yeah. me, but like I right. know people who have had it, who had it early. Um, oh. people who have tested positive, who have been asymptomatic. Um, for the most part, it's been like split as far as like if people have symptoms or not. But yeah, I mean, people people have it like or have had it and gotten over it, but it's, it's mostly young people, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, I don't, there's not one person that I text with who I'm like super close to. I know friends of friends and family members of friends. Um, and and it, it just, it seems like if you live on social media, like a lot of people do in right. 2020, you know, not much else to do. It's like the worst thing in the world. But then if you go into your little bubble and you're wearing a mask and being smart and not like going indoors anywhere, it's like, you're okay. And I, I just, I feel like that's impossible if you're not in the bubble for baseball and college football. First of all, college football, joy. There's like, I mean, if you're gonna send kids to live in a dorm on campus, and they're not in a bubble dorm. And then they got to go to the cafeteria with other kids. And then they're going to hang out and go to party. Like college football seems like no shot. College basketball, like forget about it. I can't imagine that happening. But yeah, I, I don't, I don't know good. how the college thing is, is going to work. I, I would not be want to be in that situation to have to make that decision. Because it's just kids, but also like it's so big. Like the ripple effect of not having a college season. And then you've got these guys who are trying to make it to the league. Like that affects yeah. the next five, 10 years of their life, their future. You've got kids in high school who are trying to get scholarships. Like it's really, people just talk about sports in this, you know, macro sense, like sports doesn't matter. It's not that important. It's like, guys, in the, when you're talking about life and death, no, of course not. But when you're talking about economics, you're talking about um, education, like some of these kids, most of these kids, overwhelmingly these kids are not going to make it to the NFL. So they are actually getting a free ride to school based off of their football skill, which now they're not going to be able to exhibit. Yeah. Like there are a lot of effects in, in economically and you know for the future of a lot of people that is affected by sports not happening. So I don't speak about it flippantly when I say I'm not yeah. optimistic about it. But I think I mean, one thing that the NFL the has that's an advantage is they are going to be able to watch MLB. 
Yeah, I mean, I you would think so. I mean, uh, hopefully the Yankees, uh, Yankees and Dodgers are my two teams that I follow. But just one other quick note on college football. I know everybody's going to be like, oh, it's it, – Joey and Jason, it's 21-year-olds. They're going to be fine. It's less about that. It's about like 25,000 kids on campus. And if there's an outbreak and, I don't know, 5,000 kids get it, let's just say 200 of them need to go to the hospital. Joy, like a small college town in Podunk, Mississippi or Tennessee or Georgia – that hospital is going to be overwhelmed because they've got the local old people who are in the hospital. And that's where it gets a little scary. And I have some ER friends out here in LA and it ain't pretty right now. Like they're, they're, I'm texting them every weekend. Like, how are you? Are you holding up? They're like, we had an outbreak of the doctors at the hotel at, at the hospital. Sorry. And the doctors then couldn't work. And then they're just overflowing with patients. And it, that's where it gets scary. It's less about, Oh, 500 people died. Like obviously that matters. But it's the ramifications of when the doctors have to say, we need him off a ventilator. This person's young and we got to put them on. Like, nobody wants to make that decision. No, and that's what that's what shutting down was all about to begin with, right? Like, yeah. taking care of making sure that the hospitals weren't overwhelmed. But for me, with college sports, the bigger picture is, is the back half of what you mentioned. Like, yes, obviously, these college kids are, are not as vulnerable as older people. But these college kids live in communities. Like, these schools are not out in the, just, like, in some isolated middle of nowhere. They live in, they're in cities where other people live. And then those, they go out into the city, of course, to get food or go for a run or do whatever they're doing. Like, they are going to be around other people. They're not in a bubble. So, yeah, I mean, it's super complicated. But um, I'm, I'm trying to remain optimistic about all this. I know you were a party animal. I love to go out in college and I'm telling you, Joy, like if I was a college kid now, I would think exactly like that. I'm going to be fine. What am I not going to party? I'm not going to go out drinking. No, I'm like, like nothing's and, open. So that is a good thing. Right. Like that's going to prevent a lot of it. But yeah. you know, there's people, people are still doing house parties and like, I, I just don't know how you control it. Hopefully, like you said, leadership has some answer, you know, within the next few months and you know, we all, we all make it through this. But speaking yeah. of the bubble, one of the bubbles, the NBA bubble, they're starting in a few days. I I had no idea what this was going to look like. I didn't know how it was going to work. I'm super impressed with how it's gone so far. And uh, to me, my like biggest skepticism of it was, other than obviously managing COVID, what's it going to look like? Like basketball is such an intimate sport. You have fans literally on the court right yeah. there. So what's it going to sound like? Is it going to feel empty? And like, you're in these big gaping arenas and, and, and facilities. I think they've done an amazing job. Uh, yeah, listen, Adam Silver uh, gets raked across the coals by a certain side on social media. He's been tremendous and the NBA has, you know, their owners skew a little younger. They've got the tech money and they are really ahead of the curve with how they're handling this. The NBA bubble, uh, Joy, they, it's been tremendous. You know, you remove the Lou Williams nonsense. You know, we could go there if you want to. And a couple other, uh, the, the kid Holmes on the Kings who crossed a line to pick up food. Like, okay, fine. Silly stuff like that. But overall, no outbreaks. And like you said, the product has been tremendous. I, I don't know about you. Like, I'm very excited for Thursday when the games matter. Scrimmages are one thing. But I'm curious to see how the teams do, like, when the games actually count. Well, that's like, to me, yes, I'm super, super excited for Thursday. But I'm I'm finding it. I picked the Clippers at the beginning of the season, right? Before right. all this happened. And I still feel like the Clippers are the deepest team, which is why I'm still with the Clippers. But I also feel like there's a certain element of this with COVID, which obviously to this point has not mattered, thankfully, gratefully. Uh, but also maybe injuries and like how certain players are dealing with not having fans and being in this unique situation and mentally being away from their families or being away from their girl or like just, you know, being essentially at 
eternal basketball camp. Yeah. Uh, how they're going to handle that. So I think it's really hard to predict a winner this year. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and, and I had this discussion. I do some writing for FoxSports.com. And I, uh, uh, you know, I talked to the guys and I said, think about this. Like, Joy, 10 years ago, did you think you would be living in L.A. working for Fox? I mean, five years ago, that was hard for me to believe. Right. So how are we supposed to, as humans, project what's going to happen tomorrow, the next week, the next year? Like, it's almost impossible. And I'm kind of with you on the Clippers are maybe the team to beat. But I'm picking the Lakers. I do think losing Rondo, losing Bradley, those are those are significant losses. You, when you replace them with guys like Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith, who just got to the team, I know they're pros. Obviously, they're veterans. They've been around. But, like, the Lakers are going to be trotting out some units, Joy, that have never been on the court together for a regular season game. That That's a real thing that's going to happen. Uh, and, and, frankly, I don't know how they're going to react to that. But uh, I think the Milwaukee Bucks are actually hurt more than anyone. Because they were rolling, right? They uh, dominant team offensively, defensively, all the stats. And the big thing is they were going to have home court advantage uh, in the East without question. I think they could be in jeopardy here a little bit um, in the East and then certainly in the finals. How much uh, – well, I guess when it comes to Lou Williams, I have my own opinion about it. But what, what did you think when you heard the story? Wait, wait. Let's hear yours first. Uh, I mean, sure. I don't – like I think it's irresponsible of him to take the picture – inside like just don't just like don't take the picture and also send someone else in to get them like there's nothing yeah, wrong that's a great with you <laughs> getting wings from there um or eating from there but just send some like you have to be aware of the optics right like i have yeah. zero problem with any of it except for you got to be aware of the optics right like we're all in this business we all do stuff that we don't post on social media plenty i mean you'll you'll find me ghost on social media for an entire weekend do you think i'm sitting on my couch doing nothing no i'm doing stuff i don't want to post on social media like it's not real right so like but you have to be aware of the presence of optics so like i love lou williams i think he's great i think he is uh he's one of the most valuable pieces on any of these rosters that are in championship contention he's a walking bucket so it's not, I'm, I don't, it doesn't, like, I don't question his character, like his intentions or whatever. Like, not, none of that matters to me. I was just like, you know, send someone else in to get the wings. My, my favorite part of it was the rapper uh, Harlow took a picture, right, with Lou. He's got a mask on. And then, it, then he tried to cover up and say, oh, no, it was an old picture. What, like anybody wore a mask at a strip club before the last like two months? Get I actually did. I actually did. I went to 11 in Miami uh, in... Was it, what? was it January? It was January, early February. Um, Cause I was in Miami for a bachelorette party and my friend has a company that makes face shields. So, okay. so like not completely non COVID related COVID had not hit us yet. Um, and we had face masks on in the strip club. So it does happen, oh but, <laughs> but oh, that wow. mask, that's a, that's a first. that okay. mask was a, it was not a face shield. It was a mask and it had the NBA logo on it. Yeah. I know. Anyways, uh, like I'm kind of with you and not the biggest deal. Very funny. Um, I guess, what is it? The lemon pepper chicken wings? Is that what lemon it is? Lemon pepper like, barbecue. Chicken barbecue. Wings. That's like a thing. Cause I was reading about Damian Lillard, right? He turned 30. They had a big birthday party for him in the hotel and lemon pepper barbecue wings were like the number one thing. I love lemon going, pepper wings. Have you ever had I lemon mean, pepper? I, I might have, but oh like my, God. my favorite Wingstop, thing. Stop lemon pepper wings are amazing. Okay. Like I, I love lemon pepper. I don't know about lemon pepper barbecue. I'd have to try it, but 
Yeah, no, no, no. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. I get it. I get it. I'm just like, like to me, it's just optics. Like, you know, this is going to happen. You know, once that picture's taken, it's going to get tweeted out and you know what people are going to say. Yeah. I think if anything, maybe the Clippers teammates were a little jealous uh, that he got to go out of the bubble. I know he, it was for, you know, a sad cause, right. obviously. But the fact that he's able to get wings, pop into a strip club, hang out with this rapper, like, eh, he had a good night, Lou. I guess I'll be doing one of those in like five months. An, an expensive night, $150,000 for those wings. So, yeah. Uh, but, I, you know, again, like, I'm, he's fine. And it seems like Clippers, the Clippers are supporting him. So, yeah. uh, we'll see. All right. Well, thanks, J-Mac. I really appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on the pod. Uh, whenever this is over, we'll get you in the actual studio. Can't on, wait. On, I know, man. I can't wait. Please. Please. God, <laughs> when this is over. Please get it together, people. Wear your mask. Wear a mask. Oh, yeah. um, but thanks. Good luck with the Jets this year. Uh, we'll talk again soon. And check out uh, J-Mac's show on Fox Sports Radio, 10 to 1 Eastern on Saturdays and Sundays or just Saturday? Just Saturday. Just Saturday. Yeah. All right. Thanks, J-Mac. Thanks, Joy. Take it easy. You too. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With it. With it. What? With it. We about to turn up in this bitch. What up, Heller? What's going on? What did it quit it this week? What's up, JT? Let's get right into it. We got some NBA basketball coming up soon. <sighs> so close. Oh, it's right there. I'm digging that bubble. Okay. All right. Before we get into it, I'm going to give you two headlines, Troy. Both are about the same story. You know, and but and they're both true. First headline, Lou Williams pops NBA bubble to attend iconic Atlanta strip club with rapper Jack Harlow. Second headline, Lou Williams leaves NBA bubble for funeral and runs into friend while getting food after. Either way you want to call it, the Clippers guard is back in the bubble and in a 10-day quarantine. Lou Will is going to miss the Clippers' first two games at least, but they're just seeding games. Uh, but assuming Lou Will tests negative for COVID-19, Joy, no harm, no foul, winner to quit it. Oh, no harm, no foul. Uh, in reality, no. Actually, I can't say that. I'm going to say quit it because I don't know what the protocol is for when you leave the bubble, like uh, what the NBA allows you to do, right? Or is telling you to do, Got you. Yeah. right? So maybe the NBA says you can leave, go to this funeral, but that's the only place you can go. Like you can leave, you go home or like you go, you don't even go home. Like you go to a hotel, you go to the funeral, you go back to the hotel and then you come back to the bubble. You have to test right. every day you're gone. Like, I don't know what the protocol is. Like if they tell them, don't go to stores, don't go to restaurants, I don't know. Assuming that that's not the case and you just go wherever you need to go, because how is the NBA going to know anyway? It's not like they're sending people with you. Did you, they get those rings? Did they get? Did they put those rings on them? I remember I, people talked about those rings. I don't know if they're if they're wearing them, but like that's I don't even know how that works. Like, can we all right. get rings? I don't know. I don't. It's weird. I kind of want one. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So I don't. I don't know what the protocol is, but I think I'm going to assume that it's about the optics, and in that regard. Lou knows what the optics are going to be. So here's the deal. 
Are strip clubs open in Atlanta? I don't know. I'm assuming not. However, I do have 1,000% information that they are open in Florida. So I don't know if there's <laughs> entertainers there or not. So I don't know what, what's going on in Atlanta. I know it's bad everywhere. It's obviously atrocious in Florida as well. And somehow they're open. So this place, we're assuming, is only serving food. And so technically, he just went and picked up food. But the reality, as far as the optics goes, is that he went to a strip club, went inside, took a picture with a rapper, tried to say it was old. It obviously wasn't old because he's wearing an <laughs> NBA mask and picked up his wings from Magic City, which I'm sure are excellent because wings at strip clubs are usually great. And he goes there all the time. And notoriously, these specific wings are actually very good. Now, here's the reality. I don't care about him going to a strip club. I don't care about anyone going to a strip club at all, ever, because <laughs> that's just not how I live my life, and I'm not a moralist. I would be a complete hypocrite to be a moralist, especially when it comes to strip clubs, which I have been too many. <clears throat> but the point is, he knew that this was going to happen, right? Like, he knew that going to a strip club and taking a picture and that picture getting out was going to lead to him dealing with some stuff, which is why he's tweeted about it. Like, he's saying it's not a big deal. Yeah. It's not a big deal. He went in and picked up some food. My thing is, like, just send someone else in to get the wings. Like, it, it just, just anyone else has got to go pick them up. Yeah. And I know that that's that's and that's the world we live in and it's PC, but that is the world we live in, like function in reality. I love Lou Williams. I think he's a walking bucket. He is, to me, the most important element of the Clippers winning the championship other than obviously Kawhi and Paul George. Like Lou and his yep. numbers and his consistency are going to be crucial for them. I don't think it's a big deal he's missing these games. Obviously they don't care, it's, the, the Clippers don't care that he's missing these games. $150,000 with some wings, really pricey, but you know, that's unfortunate. Overall though, the like panic about it and it's a bad look and all that, like, I mean, come on. Yeah. Well, I, I can't get into the hypocrisy nope. of these statements. And, and listen, I'm aware it's a pandemic. I'm functioning in the same world everyone else is, but yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it just is what it is. And, and they couldn't handle the optics of it. That's what it was with the NBA. This is, uh, to me, the only uh, misstep he made was taking a picture with a rapper and letting him post it. It's really just taking a picture with a rapper. You just, in this climate, you can't do that. You can't do it. You can't take the picture. And listen, like, I don't, Ugh. whatever he wants to do, like, I have no problem with any of it because technically all he did was went and picked up food, right? right. And so with I have no problem. Him. Right. With ask they gave him. Right. Following the rules. <laughs> in the picture, even. Right. So, like, I have no problem with any of it. I, I wouldn't have taken the picture. And I personally, if I wanted to get the wings, would have sent someone else in to get it because yep. I'm a public figure and I have to be aware that th these are the things that people are looking at me for. Yep. So overall, I guess no harm, no foul as far as going to the strip club. Yeah, uh, the only thing is if he was told he can't go into restaurants, if he was told don't go anywhere else extra than the funeral, then yep. it would be, be harm because he knows he's not supposed to do that. But yeah, uh, also just for anyone who's wondering, because obviously this was a big educational point for Colin this week, Yes, strip club food is a thing. First of all, strip clubs are a thing, a very big thing. And if you happen to live in a city where strip clubs are our way of life, like Houston, Miami, Dallas, uh, apparently Portland has a lot of strip clubs, didn't know that. 
Um, yeah. Was informed of that this week. Uh, I've never been, so I don't know. Uh, and then, of course, Miami, where I spent 10 years and have essentially visited every major adult know establishment. The scene. You know the, the scene. You know the scene there. I know the scene well. I haven't seen well. Um, haven't actually. That's not true. I, I was about to say I haven't been to one in a while, but that's a lie because I was at eleven multiple times this year, uh, pre-pandemic, obviously. Um, but you know, eleven is like kind right. of more of a club. And so I think that's the thing that is tough for, let's say, someone like me from Northern California, lived in LA. Now I think that's the tough part to understand is doing other things in the strip club. That seems to be somewhere like. Miami, it's like a club slash strip club. In Atlanta, they got food. Like that's a little, I think that's a little hard for some of us to grasp. And right. I think we just need to just accept that and then everything, then no big deal. The traditional uh, strip club that you visualize in your mind, like say from striptease, uh, those places, they still exist all over the country and, yeah. uh, and a lot in LA because LA strip club scene is, is quite weak. There's really, there's nowhere to go except for crazy girls and you can't drink in strip clubs here, which makes it oh, like rules. really not a good hang uh, at all. Nope. Um, nobody wants to be in a strip club at a Friday night at eight o'clock with a Red Bull, not the scene. So, <laughs> so yes, those places still exist. But like I said, in cities where strip club scene is like a place to go and a place to be, there's a lot yeah. more going on in the strip club than in the traditional strip club uh, idea that I'm describing, which, you know, dominates Los Angeles and obviously many other cities across the country. So I've just given you a strip club education, but okay. yeah, um, I, I was in a strip club. I was at 11 for, uh, my friend's bachelorette party earlier this year, right. all girls table of all girls. Boom. That's, Explosion. Dudes don't understand that. There was no man with right. us at all. There were men in the club, but they were yeah. not with us. So, right. um, yeah, right. so again, like that's two, two separate conversations, obviously. And the reason yes. why it's, it's a headline is because it's magic city in Atlanta, which I haven't been to, but it's definitely on my list of locations to visit the next time I I'm in Atlanta for sure. And yeah, uh, I'm definitely gonna try the wings bomb there as well. Oh my God. Yeah. I've heard, I, I've already heard way too many rappers say the words magic city for me to not be interested in going there and learning more about it. And, you know, the last time I had a Monster Energy was at a strip club in L.A., so there you go. <laughs> uh, you have to, like, when you come to a strip, go to a strip club in L.A., you don't want to get, like, a soda, right? Because it feels, it's too creepy to get a soda. And the water is like, soda. what are you even doing here? So you have to get something that, like, stimulate, is stimulating, right? Other than, obviously, the entertainment. It, it, so, like, yeah, a, a, a energy drink is the only way to go. It, honestly, at this point, if they don't have a Pellegrino, I'm storming out. Yeah, it has to be something with bubbles. <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I can't do it. Um, all right. Uh, it took almost all offseason, but Jamal Adams successfully catapulted himself off the New York Jets and onto the Seattle Seahawks. On his way out the door, figuratively speaking, Adams was critical of coach Adam Gase's leadership, and Jets running back Le'Veon Bell subtweeted Adams, posting, quote, people do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought in just to leave. LOL. Like people weird, yo. <laughs> Joy, Le'Veon Bell wants to leave the Jets too, win or quit it. Of course he wants out of there. Le'Veon, with it. Le'Veon has been great with the Jets. Like he's been, he's been all in. He didn't trip when the when the trade rumors were about him. He's he's really not even tripping now because in that rant, he said he talked to Jamal on the phone. So I, right. I, I, I don't. Was he tweeting about it? I I don't know. I don't I don't know what that's about. I, I, but I'm not a public beef person. So. 
Um, I'm not into into all that talking. We can just talk and we'll sort it out and then we'll we'll get to the bottom of it. But without Twitter weighing in. However, Le'Veon, I think, should have stayed in Pittsburgh. Obviously, that's not going to happen now. I, I just feel like Le'Veon is in this space where he's stuck in this dysfunctional, like, blob of an organization. Jamal was right to get out of there. They're right. they're going nowhere as fast as they possibly can. Everyone's okay. talking about they won the trade. Like how? What did they get? Oh, a bunch of draft picks. Congratulations. You're probably going to turn around and trade that for something else. Right. And the reality is you guys are not you guys are building for so far in the future that who knows if that is even going to lead to success. I don't like hoarding draft picks. I would like a sure thing. You drafted Jamal Adams. Pay him. He's a sure thing. How what are we even talking about? He made, it, he made it so they couldn't pay him, though, right? Right, but why? Like, why is your organization so dysfunctional that Jamal Adams, a star who should be getting paid with your organization, who you drafted? So this is like the ideal situation, right? You want your draft picks to become Jamal yeah. Adams so that then you can pay him and build your organization. But they have no culture. So, That's like, if Jamal had come from another team to the Jets and was doing this, then I would be like, okay, this – this makes perfect sense, right? Like maybe it's on Jamal. Yeah, but you literally drafted him. Like how does this go this bad? Uh, it's on the Jets to me. I don't care about how many draft picks you got. Seattle won this trade. They needed to shore up their defense. Yeah. They've got a for sure piece now. Is it the piece that's going to put them over the top of the Super Bowl? No. But what defensive piece ever is that? Is there a bunch of Lawrence Taylors running around? Okay, no. Aaron Donald? No. So no. I, so it's really not that, that dramatic of a, of a move. Like they are... The Seahawks are in a position where a couple things could go wrong, which often does throughout the NFL season, right. and they could be right there in the contention for Super Bowl. So, of course, they want for sure pieces. What, what are those draft picks going to do for them this year? Nothing. So They draft weird, too. Right. So, I, I'm, I think the Seahawks won this trade. I think Le'Veon wants out. He's not going to be there next year. I don't think Adam Gase is going to be there next year. And, unfortunately, poor Sam Darnold is going to be stuck in this, in right. this blob. Right. With old googly eyes Gase. And then, uh, and then Colin, I thought, said really well on the show today. He described their owner as what suboptimal, <laughs> suboptimal ownership. I thought that was a real nice little classy way to just get the point across. That is you know, very, just, I, I missed that. I missed that. Uh, that line. That's that's yeah. that's very classy shade. I'm yeah, gonna have to adapt that. Although I don't have, I don't really have the same way that Colin does of saying sh like of delivering shade that way. It just straight up sounds like shade. When I say right. it, Colin has a little more eloquence to him. That's good. Suboptimal. Oh, See, I can't even say it without like getting the, right? the lip going. Suboptimal. <laughs> hey, don't give give yourself a little more credit. You set you set him up to knock him down. You know what I mean? AKA you know? trash. What's up, Donnie? What's in high key, low key this week? Hey, hey, all right, high key. As we predicted, the WNBA is back in a big way, delivering its biggest opening weekend in years. Low-key, I got to get one of those orange hoodies that took over my timeline. I want to maintain that orange hoodie energy this year. I actually, I need to get an orange hoodie, actually. They look good. Yeah. I feel like orange complements my skin complexion. You uh, have I gotta orange get on one. right now, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of chilly in my apartment. Got the AC blast. It's been weird out here, right? The weather? Um, yeah. Anyway. Focusing on WNBA, uh, I was very excited to see the games this weekend. Love to have live sports that matter on again. Thank you. Yes. Uh, MLB was great, but I love seeing Sabrina Ionescu's premiere game. Um, she didn't do great, but you know, like she's a rookie First still. Keep it in perspective. 
not gonna right. like, hold her to Zion standards or something. Um, but it was good to see her out there. Sue Bird is healthy again. Monique Billings had a great game, thirty points in her debut. Uh, Stormer, the Stormer gonna be a problem. I mean, we knew they were gonna be yeah. good anyway, but you know our girl Jordan Canada. Um, out there for the first time in a while as well. So it was good to see her. And I'm just excited. Like, I'm watching the WNBA this season. Um, yes. Storm play again tonight, so I'll be checking them out. And I'm, I'm all for the Orange Hoodie energy. Keep it going. I'm going to cop one of those, actually. Gotta I've been pretty good about not buying clothes throughout the pandemic because, like, who needs them? Yeah. <laughs> except, for, except for some new sweatpants, which actually uh, the ones I got on get holes in them, so maybe that's a good investment too. But that's uh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. That, nobody needs to know what's here, what's down here, exactly. here below. All right, like I got house shoes and sweatpants on from here down. Just imagine it. All right, high key. Less than a week into the 2020 season, several Miami Marlins coaches and players tested positive for COVID-19. Low key, after the MLB has officially put the Marlins season on pause, does baseball have a full-blown crisis on its hands? I don't think so. I think no. that's no. I think they predicted that this was going to happen. They made provisions to make the rosters bigger for yeah. if this happens. Obviously, there's so many Marlins players that they're like just just chill out for a little bit. But the thing about it is is like the bubble was built for isolation, right? Like to keep the virus out once you've quarantined everybody and eliminated the access to the outside world. Now, obviously, they still have people coming in and out, which can promote, you know, propose a problem. But for the most part, they're doing exactly what we were all doing yeah. not too long ago, which was staying home and staying away from everybody. So mm -hmm. the bubble working to the level that it is is not surprising to me. That's, that's like the design of how this is supposed to work. MLB's not in a bubble, and they have a lot of travel. And, I mean, the Marlins are in Miami, which is the center of COVID in yeah. the world. Like, us in Miami are beefing over who got more cases, right? <laughs> so, right, they were just competing with each other. So, it's not surprising to me that the Marlins are in this situation. And the good news is, is that the Phillies aren't. So, exactly. that's like, you know, the, whatever protocols it's they have contained. in place are working. I expected this to happen. There are going to be positive cases because we have 4 million in this country because we are the world's Florida. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me. I don't think it's a full bone crisis. When it starts being like four or five, six teams, then we're talking about a real problem. But one team going down, I mean, MLS had two teams that didn't even come to the bubble. So just handle it, isolate them. If they miss two weeks, maybe they can make the games up at the end of the year or maybe not if they're not in contention, who knows? But I, I think that they anticipated this was a situation that could happen because yeah. they aren't in the bubble and i think they're going to handle it appropriately all right high key an anonymous coach said this about cam newton and his veganism i don't think he's superman anymore low key stay off of this man's plate yes. Why are you watching his food? <laughs> stay out of his pockets and stay out of his his hairdo and, yeah. his, and his, hats, wardrobe. his wardrobe and his plate here's the thing all right i know it's not very manly to be vegan Okay, but the thing about it is, you're not a doctor. I know that everyone woke up when this pandemic started and decided that they had a doctorate, and they don't. But this is ridiculous. Like, first of all, yeah. what what about you makes you qualified to talk about what Cam Newton needs to put in his body? Because every single person is literally different, right? Exactly. I'm on a meal plan that is designed specifically for what is inside of my body because they took blood out of me, examined it, ran it through whatever algorithm these doctors do to find out what nutrients I need for my particular body and what my body is lacking or has too much of. 
Yeah, I take that meal plan. It's not going to affect me the same way. No, it's, it's not. not. Like you might, you, you, you'll be healthy, I guess. But like you might need some more of something else. Exactly. So who are you? Like, is that what you do? Is that what you do for a living? Or are you an NFL coach? You have no idea what Cam Newton needs to put in his body. So this idea that like, oh, and he mentions also that like Colin Kaepernick, um, yeah. he went vegan. Like, yeah, it could be that. Or it could be that he got injured and Harbaugh wasn't there anymore. There are factors. There are this factors. Is the, this is the part of sports that's always made me uncomfortable, the analyzing of people's bodies. Like, it's just, that that is always giving me the heebie-jeebies and this is a prime case of this happened. Yeah, and I just, I just want to... All I ask, really, of everyone, because I ask it of myself, so I feel like it's fair to ask it of other people, is make it make sense. It's all Please. I ask. It's not a lot. It's a little, really. Make it make sense, okay? I'm a, I am I am on my podcast called Maybe I'm Crazy, and I still think it's important to make whatever crazy thing I say make sense at the end of it. Because I need you to understand. I want you to vibe with me. So like right. you don't know anything about what Cam Newton is to put into his body in order for him to be healthy and for him to have a long career. Yet you're just saying because he's vegan and he's lost some weight, which by the way is probably a good thing considering he's been injured a lot. Yes. Don't we want some change? We want to get off of that injury right. track? Right. That that's why he's not Superman. Might I remind you, Lamar Jackson is 212 pounds. He is the premier running quarterback in the league right now, 212 pounds. Slender man. Right? Not yeah. built like Cam Newton, still very successful. No, okay. No, exactly. And the tagline he had at the end is like, oh, like I think he really wants to get abs. Bruh. Yeah. Cam Newton has had abs, <laughs> I'm pretty sure since he was 12 years old. I can't verify that, but like Cam Newton does not have a problem keeping abs. Meat has nothing to do with it. And I <laughs> this is all coming from me, a person who eats meat with every single meal. So like, I don't care about being vegan. I will never be vegan unless the doctor tells me to be vegan. So like, I don't care either way. I just think it's wild that people just say these outlandish things. Like, I feel like, oh, he's not Superman anymore because he's not healthy or because his past is prime or because he doesn't have the arm strength or whatever. Like, okay, all those things, cool. Like, we'll, we'll see. But because he's not, because he went vegan, damn. I just feel like it's an overall problem in our society that everyone, I need to know what y'all are, what are y'all doing that has convinced you that you are a doctor, that you are a infectious disease doctor, that you are like a, uh, a, a vaccine doctor, that you can tell other people what they need to put in their bodies in order to be healthy. I just, I think it's just really super bizarre to me. I don't know when everyone became a doctor. WebMD, it's the Google, it's, it's the internet's fault. Stop reading memes, please. I beg of you, I beg of you, please, please. Like these people arguing with me that I'm gonna suffocate for wearing a mask. Uh. How you figure that a surgeon does a eight to 10 hour surgery with a mask on and manages to stay alive and keep you alive during the surgery yes. while wearing the yes. mask? Working in your brains, make, in your brains. Make it make sense. Make uh, it make sense. <laughs>Hey T, what's going on the culture report this week? Hey Joy. Okay, so the 2020 Emmy nominations are in and girl, the Watchmen dominates nominees in four categories. So uh, outstanding limited series, leading actor and actress, supporting actor and actress. So I'm expecting to get all the wins that night. Watchmen was amazing. Yeah, I love Watchmen. Regina King literally came through. Like I, I think I binged 
you know my my issue. I think I binged it within like a week. So you do have binging <laughs> issues. <laughs> I do. <laughs> so uh, there are some first time nominees: Zendaya, uh, who played who's in Euphoria, so good. Love that show. It's one of my favorite shows out right now. Um, and then Yvonne. Or she was nominated as well. First time nominee, amazing. Uh, East is nominated. Mahersha Ali is nominated. Kerry Washington is nominated. But you know, I was a little sad and shocked that one of my favorites was not nominated. Reese Witherspoon. She's one of my favorite actresses, and she killed it in Little Fires Everywhere. I mean, her like it. Her acting gave me chills. So I was shocked. I'm like, how could you not nominate? America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> I love Reese too. Um, I didn't see Little Fires Everywhere though, so I guess I need to watch it because oh. everyone tells me it's amazing. Oh, it's good. Okay, so I'll try that. I love Euphoria. What an amazing show. Zendaya killed that sh It does make me kind of terrified to have children though, to be honest with you, because I'm like, oh, oh my God, we weren't doing all this. This is so much. Right. So much. But it was a great show and she totally deserves it. Obviously, we love Insecure, so not surprising that Yvonne and Issa got nominated. But like I said, Watchmen was my show. No, Watchmen was first episode. I was like, I do not know what's going on in the show. So I guess I'm just going to have to commit because I love Regina and it looks yeah. amazing. Um, and I'm so glad I did because it was unbelievable. So not surprising that they got nominated either. Um, mm -hmm. Happy with the Emmys this year. Yeah, same. I am too. But besides that one little, but yeah, it's either here nor there. They did good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Drake, I've been seeing the name Billboard Poppy trending and I'm here for it. That's his new name, Billboard Poppy, because Drake broke the record for the most top 10 Billboard entries in the Hot 100 chart in the 62 year history. That is insane. Like he's surpassed Lil Wayne, Madonna. That's crazy so i feel like drake is out here killing it as usual i'm a huge fan and i'm honestly not surprised because he makes great music so were you shocked to hear that joy no drake has so many hits like nobody wants to go up against drake in the versus battle <laughs> like honestly it's probably right. like drake and beyonce those are like the only two that i'd be like oh you know what i need to see that i don't know who's gonna win that one yeah, Drake got hits. I mean, what, what's what's his line? I got more bops than the Beatles. He passed them too. Yeah, I mean, them passed yeah, them. Like, um, we don't really talk about the Beatles anymore. Shout out John Lennon. But yeah, I mean, Drake Drake is always killing it. I, I Honestly, though, like when I think about Drake and his songs and like, what is my favorite Drake song? Like, what is your favorite Drake song? I have so many. Right? Um, so, like, you really can't and, pick one. But the... the yeah. Um, okay. Okay. The, I can't. I can't think of the name right now. But um, the cheesecake. Mm, cheesecake. Why you wanna fight with me? A cheesecake. You know I like the yes. yes. So that's a good one. So but yeah, my favorite one. Drake song because it's so hard to pick. Like it's so hard to pick. Honestly, best I ever had still goes for me oh, yeah. <laughs> forever. Like, and like oh, Loki. That's a good one. Like, you remember when best I ever had came out? Like, that was the game. Like, that was the move to like send it to you. Like, oh, this song makes me think about you. Like, yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but it was, it was like, to me, that's a song that put Drake on. Um, but yeah, I mean, congrats. He's an amazing artist and uh, he's just always coming through with the hits. You're right. You know, he, he definitely does. Like, but you're right. No one wants to go against Drake. No. Cause it's Beyonce. Like yeah. it's Beyonce and Drake. Um, that would be a versus battle. That would be fair, but like nobody else is. Doing right. That. 
Right. <laughs> All right. So, oh, it's a great week, Joy. Michelle Obama's podcast launches on July 29th. Her production company, Higher Ground and Spotify, they signed this partnership. I'm super excited for it. Um, they already have like a 10 minute preview available. So I did, you know, I did check that out. It's pretty good. Um, so she hopes that this podcast can like be a place to explore like meaningful, meaningful topics and issues that we're like currently like dealing with. And she wants those conversations. Um, to inspire like people who are listening like us to have conversations with people around us. And so some of her guests are going to be like her mother, her brother, I think like a mentor is like some of her friends, but her first guest is with Barack Obama, of course. And I love Michelle. I mean, her grace and character is admirable. Um, I'm listening because I want to get some hard-earned wisdom and her voice to me is just trustworthy. She keeps it real. Um, this is the kind of context like we need right now. Joy, how excited are you about the podcast? I love Michelle. And she is just one of those unifying voices and just individuals in our country that is so rare. Like anytime you mention a name, there's always a group of people that are like, eh. And Michelle is just one of those people that like she is protected, like, and she's earned it. Yeah. And you can't even say the same for, for Barack. And like Michelle is just in that space that everyone respects her and everyone respects what she has to say and you knock on disrespect michelle mm -mm. obama so i'm here for it i think it's great that she is expanding into the content space because she does have that voice and it's needed right now mm -hmm. um i'm reading her book right now she's amazing um obviously a huge oh. fan but i'm looking forward to the podcast for sure yeah, I can, girl, I cannot wait. Can't wait. Um, another powerful voice, Oprah. Um, she's bringing the Oprah conversation to Apple TV. Um, these conversations are going to engage in discussions about impactful and relevant topics with some leaders around the world. I know her first feature or her first interview will feature um, an author. His name is, I may butcher this, Ibram X. Kendi. Okay. Um, but here's a book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. So that's going to be, they're going to talk about that on the first episode. I'm really interested in, in, um, in watching that. I started this book club, Joy. <laughs> Random. I started this book club, so I've been reading a lot of books. Oh, okay. Just to get more, like, yeah, just to learn more about, you know, like, like systematic, systemic racism in this country. So I think that may be, look, the next book that we read. But it debuts on July 30th, and I'm super excited about it. Well, you know, Oprah is all about books. So if you yes. want to, you know, start a book club or be a part of a book club, taking Oprah's recommendations is obviously a good way to start. Our co-worker, Emmanuel Acho, is going to be on that show. He put a little teaser yes. on his Instagram the other day. So he's he's going to be a guest on that show, which is insane. Mm -hmm. So he has a book coming yeah, out with Oprah. Episode. Yeah, he has a book coming out with Oprah in November, um, I think. Yeah, uh, I pre-ordered it. But the, the point is, I'm very excited for this show and really looking forward to it. Uh, I mean, it's Auntie O, so everything that she does is golden. And again, uh, while everybody is not on the same page with Oprah, um, she's still a very respected voice and conducts the best interviews in the business. And I'm, I, I feel like we just need like good, strong, legitimate conversations and content right now. We have more than enough uh, fluff. And, you know, I say that on this podcast where we have a lot of fun, obviously, <laughs> but you know, we're in a space where like, we need to just hear from some strong voices. So I'm glad Oprah's doing this and I'm really looking forward to Michelle's podcast as well. Thanks so much for joining us this week, guys. Make sure you go and subscribe to the podcast. Maybe I'm crazy podcast on YouTube. You can listen to the podcast on any 
podcast platform, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartMedia app, and Apple Podcasts. And make sure you follow our social media pages at Maybe I'm Crazy Pod. And we'll catch you next week. Maybe I'm crazy, maybe I'm not. Oh.